How many have ever been lost? You ever been lost driving? Come on, guys, admit it. Come on, all the guys that say, oh, I never get lost. This is, and I'm talking about before GPS, all right? Never get lost. I remember one time my cousin and I, I had a cousin that uh, we went fishing. We went camping up in Lake Elmanor. Anybody ever yeah. been to Lake Elmanor? God's country, amen? Yeah. So we were fishing, and I had a little Toyota pickup at that time, a little camper shell, and we thought we'd take a drive up the, the mountainside, so we took a logging road, okay? And we took a lot. Anybody been on a logging road before? So three hours later, as we were trying to find our way back, we're at a peak part of this mountain that we were on, and nothing but shale, loose gravel. I didn't have a four-wheel drive. My tires were spinning. Um, you know, because it was my cousin that said, let's go down this road. Let's just go explore. I said, sure, why not? How bad could it be? As I said, two, three hours later, we couldn't find our way back. And finally, I just said, Lord, you got to help us. Because it was the, the sun was starting to come down by now. And fortunately, in a matter of about 45 minutes, after that, we found the road that led back down to the highway. But the feeling of being lost, of, of being where you're not supposed to be, that's what I'm trying to convey here. And I think everybody, if you're honest, you've been there before. Amen. In the same way, our lives, at times, you can feel lost. You can feel, first of all, we learned this lesson early on, that life is not fair. How many would agree with me? Sometimes life is not fair. I can give you examples. You have lived examples probably. You could tell me your own life story of situations where life may not have been fair to you or to your family, to your loved ones. Nobody ever promised us that life would be fair. In fact, God's word doesn't say life would be all roses for you. What he does promise you though is that he will walk with you through all tribulations, all trials, the good times and the bad times. Kind of like your spouse is supposed to, right? Amen. Well, here's what I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about living free. It's really based on the study we began this Thursday. So some of you that weren't there at our Bible study are going to catch a glimpse of what we started to talk about. And we'll get into even more than what we touched on on Thursday. But inside each of every one of you, there's another person, or there is a person. Okay, listen to these words. There is a person hidden deep in your heart is this person who's everything that you thought you could ever be. Because I know our human nature is like this. It works like this. Deep down inside, sometimes you think, I know I can do more. I know I should have, I, I could be doing this. I know my family should be here, or, or whatever it is, deep down, you're always desiring better for yourself. Amen. Amen. This person inside of you is fearless, not afraid, completely able to navigate through every storm of life with peace and confidence. This person is compassionate, even when drivers are honking on your tail on Highway 29 and cutting you off traffic. This person is able to help and love all of humanity. This person speaks the truth, knowing that in a world in need of direction, someone must courageously point the way. That person that resides in you is you, 
is you, is you. It's not some make-believe person. That person actually lives inside of you. But here's here's the problem. We live in a world of hurt. We live in a world of pain, of sin, of shame, of rejection, abandonment, violence, sin, injustice, abuse, disappointment, discouragement. And this person that God created you to be has been held captive by all those situations of discouragement, of shame, of sin. We can allow ourselves to be held captive. And so this afternoon, what I want to talk to you about is how to live free. Say that with me. Living free. free. Amen. God did not desire for you and I to be held captives. We are to be free. You, you've heard the song, every chain broken. When chains are broken, you've heard scriptures and, and songs based on that. God does not want you to live shackled. He broke those shackles for you so that you and I could live free. Here's my thesis. If there's a, a main point in this sermon, it's this. Jesus has come now to set you free of those things that have held you prisoner. Freedom has come to release you to a life full of joy, compassion, love, courage, and a life of experiencing God's glory and power. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray now that for the next few moments, Lord, I pray your blessings upon your word, that we would hear your word, that we would receive wisdom from your word, that, Lord, that we would be set free, that the captives would be set free today. If there's any still living in any type of bondage, Father, I pray, set us free today that we might live the life that you have intended for each and every one of us. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The sermon text that I have for you, it's on your outline, and I'm going to read that. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. Remember, there's the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But I'm reading from Luke chapter 4, two verses, 18 and 19. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says it this way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Did you catch that? The captives will be released, will be set free. How many can just right now straight up say, That is me. I have been set free. Raise your hand if that's you. If you've been set free of some sort of captivity, some sort of spiritual bondage, some sort of of vice that God set you free from, it's something that, that God wants to do for you. But he's not done with you. Just because he did it once, he wants to continue to set you free every day of your life. Amen? Here's here's God's original design. You are a masterpiece of divine design planned for long ago. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that before the foundations of the earth, before the world was even created, God had you and I in mind. That is just 
unfathomable to think that, that before the foundations of the earth, he had you and I in mind. He had your, na- your name already picked out. He knew how many hairs you would have on your head or the lack of them. I can't pick on my brother-in-law, Martin. He's not here today. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. Say that with me, please. For we are God's masterpiece. Let me stop there. Do you feel like God's masterpiece? Don't, you don't have to answer that. Because here's the, what I do know. Some of you came here today and you may not feel like God's masterpiece. In fact, some of you probably didn't even want to come today, but you made it. And the last thing that you feel on your heart and soul is that you're God's masterpiece. I want to remind you today, you in the condition you are in today are still God's masterpiece. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Again, he planned for you long, long ago. He has a plan and a purpose for your life from eons and eons ago. And you are just barely walking into that. Gregory Gloria, he knew you'd be here today. Right there, sitting next to each other. He knew that. Amen. Psalms 139. Listen to these two verses. Psalms chapter 139, starting in verse 13. Says this, for you fashioned my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you because I am awesomely made, wonderfully. In another version, it says, I am fearfully made. I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonders. I know this very well. The Word of God is saying, not only are you His masterpiece, He's created you awesomely. Everybody say, awesome you got to roll that hey awesome you guys are awesome god's word says that amen how many are thankful that they are awesome go home today and tell someone i am awesome that's biblical that's biblical how many remember the story of job Remember the story of Job? Those of you that have been in church for a day or two, you've heard the story of Job. I want to read to you just a few verses of chapter one of the book of Job. I remember when I first became a Christian, I thought it was Job. You know, the book of Job. Job, okay. That's a weird name. It's Job. Okay, we got that out of the way. Job chapter one, verses six through nine, and the uh, New Living Translation says it this way. One day... The members of the heavenly court, talking about the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. And Satan answered the Lord, well, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. See, he roams around. The Bible says this in the New Testament, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's his job. Okay, let's continue here in verse 8. Then the Lord asked Satan, and this one has always just messed me up. 
Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Irene? Or in this case, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Let me just stop there. Just the fact that the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job just messes with me because that tells me that the Lord will and say, have you considered my servant Ivy today? Have you considered my servant Brenda, my servant Nigel? Understand that when we are under attack, it's a spiritual attack. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's continue here. Satan replied to the Lord in verse 9, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away, or take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Satan thought for sure that if I can get uh, all the stuff that he has, all his possessions, that, that surely he'll curse God to his face. Amen? Here, I want to tell you this. Satan hates our original design. He can't stand it. It makes him sick. He does not like that our intended relationship with God was to have fellowship with him, just as Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. That is God's ultimate plan, is to have fellowship, relationship with you and I. I. Amen. Amen? So here, going back, here's heaven. Picture this, all the angels in heaven. And here Job is being talked about in heaven, in a spiritual realm. Job is busy doing his, he's out cutting wood that day. He's out milking the cows. He's out taking care of his business. And up in heaven, they're having a conversation about him. Unbeknownst to him, he doesn't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, if you read the book of Job, and I know a few of you have read the book of Job this week, that all of a sudden, calamity, tragedy begins to happen to Job. And through it all, even his close friends deserted him, left him all alone. Nobody's around. Nobody's hanging with him anymore. And yet through all of that, he never cursed God. What strength he had. But here's the thing we also got to remember. When you go through a trial, God will be your refuge and your strength. Amen. God is the one you turn to in the middle of your trial because your three friends, Larry, Moe, and Curly, they're going to be gone in a heartbeat. They're going to be gone. They're going to say, see ya. I'm not. A, no, no, no. I saw that house went down and then you're, no, I'm out of here. You have to learn to trust in God. So if you're experiencing problems this week, maybe last week, Don't think that they're just a physical problem. Don't just think that it's a relational problem. Don't just think it's a communication problem. It's a spiritual problem at its core. Amen? If our problems begin in the spiritual realm, what makes us think we have to fight against them physically? That's why our fight isn't in the physical. It's spiritual. Spiritual warfare is what you and I need to remember. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
We, we, we don't, I mean, can you imagine if we cock somebody like that every single time somebody gets out of line? There'd be people laid out left and right. But that's not how believers walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. Can I get an amen? amen. Recognize this. There are spiritual attacks against your marriages. Against your marriages. Against your relationships with one another. And in the job place, there are spiritual attacks against you. We must learn to recognize that we have to fight it spiritually. It's spiritual warfare. But here's the great news. Because during this process, the, the enemy of our soul does not want you to have joy, peace, compassion, love, and all the attributes of the, of the spirit. He doesn't want you to have any of that. He wants you to live in turmoil. He wants you to be taking, taking all the heart or acid reflux medication, heart medication, high blood pressure medication, you name it. He wants you to have 1-800 in your top three phone list because you've got to renew your prescriptions every five days because you've got to have all that medication. Yes. That's what he wants for your life. Amen. But here's the great news. That as believers, we have been restored. 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 Listen to this. Well, first of all, how many are thankful for 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says that, that Christ has come, the old has gone, the new. The new person is now alive. Amen. The old person, the old Rick is buried. He's no longer around. But the new Rick, not perfect. I'm doing my best one day at a time, just like you are. But now he rules, not the old person. Amen. That's what we mean by being restored. Spiritual restoration refers to the process of restoring us to God's original intended relationship, which is different than restoring us to a condition we previously held. See, we have not, when you were born, you did not walk into this life having or been in the, in the condition that God wanted you to be in. You were already born with original sin. Did you know that? Yeah. You, you were born with original sin. And it takes you coming to the Lord and saying at, at, the, at a point in your life, and I believe everyone has a season in their life where God knocks on your spiritual heart and says, it's time for you to recognize who God is in your life. Amen. And I believe every one of you here have had that opportunity. And then once we do that, he begins to restore us to the condition we were intended to have. And, and what I mean by that, how many like to work on cars? Anybody here, car buffs and stuff? No, my brother likes cars. There's a few of you here that like cars. Or just restoring things. Well, you're restoring it. The difference here is you're restoring it to a condition it previously held. See, God doesn't restore you to a condition you previously held. He's restoring you to a condition he always had in mind for you. Huge difference. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That's how good God is. He can take and wipe away 25 years or whatever it might have been for you, 40 years, 50 years, and put it away and say, look, I'm going to restore you to the position I always had in mind for you. How many know that God's ways are the best ways? God's ways are the best ways. Thank you, Lord. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, All glory to him who loves us 
and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. I remember when I first got saved, alcohol was gone that night. Drugs was gone that night. That very night, I gave my heart to the Lord. It was gone. God loves us and has freed us from our sins, whatever sin that might be in your life. Here's what's vitally, vitally important. Know your original design in Christ. Because some of you may be sitting here going, but Pastor Rick, I'm this way because, or my family's been this way, and, and you know, it's been a generational curse, and, you know, none of us have ever been college graduates, and nobody in my family's ever going to be a college graduate, and we're all going to be like, no, no, no. God will restore you to the condition he had for you. Amen? It doesn't matter what background you come from, where you came from, Know your original design in Christ. It's vitally important that we understand that. Number three, choose to believe by faith what God has said about you versus your present circumstances and the history of sin and failure in your life up to this point. Again, we can go back and and use every excuse. We can say every excuse. My mama never loved me. My pampers were put on too tight. That's why I have this attitude. You know, we can have all sorts of excuses, right? Yes. None of that works with God. God is saying, no, I have a plan for you. I designed you a particular way. Are you ready to pursue that today? Amen. In other words, you need to know and believe who you really are. Are you going to listen to the enemy? Or are you going to listen to the word of God that tells you who you really are? Amen. Who are you really? Because then when you do, you'll be faced with this question. Who is going to define who I am? Who's going to define who you are? Is it going to be the world? Is it going to be your family who tells you, oh, no, we've always been this way, honey. Our, Our family's always struggled like this and you'll always struggle. How many know there's mentalities like that? There's mentalities that just perpetuate and perpetuate. It's a vicious cycle in it, and it goes on and on and on and on. God says, no, I have a divine design for you. That's who you are. That's vitally important that we grab that and grasp that. Amen. How many remember the prayer of Jesus in Matthew? Jesus taught us to pray and ask for God's kingdom now here on this earth. In Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, he says this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth, on earth, on earth, as it is in heaven. What he's saying is God's will can be done here on this earth right now. You don't have to wait to to get to heaven to to live in, in God's glory. You can live it right here today. When you live according to his design he has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's original design for each of us is that we would live eternally with him in perfect unity, in fellowship, in love. Because we know that in God's kingdom, there's no sorrow. There's no shame. There's no pain. There's no disappointment. There's no death. He created us to live lives filled with joy, peace, and love. 
Aren't you thankful for that? You can have that here. Jesus prayed that prayer for you that God's will would be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God's original design, a voluntary love relationship because he first loved us. The Bible is clear on this. It says he first loved us. I I can probably look at each of you here. A lot of you grew up not going to church and then discovered the Lord at some point in your life. And you later you realize, wait, God always loved me. He loved me even when I wasn't loving him. Yes, that's correct. He loved you even when you were out in the worst of your sin. He still loved you. And, and guess what? He doesn't love you anymore just because you're a, a believer and go to church now. His love is always the same. It's his grace and mercy that keeps you here. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. His love is so great. And I have these scriptures on your outline. Lamentations 322. I'm just going to read them real quick. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Isaiah 54 and verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. John 1 and verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness has come through Jesus Christ. John 13, 34, So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. I mean, I could go on. There are literally hundreds of scriptures where God speaks about love. Love is who he is. When you say love, you're really describing God's attribute. Love is God. God is love. Anything that is not of love is not of God. Amen? Here's what I do know, speaking about love, is that many of us, as we grow up, we carry what's known as a love deficit. In other words, if we had a a spiritual tank, a gas tank of love, some of us it would be on empty. Some of us it would be on a quarter tank or less. Others carry a full love tank. But for many of us, we have a love deficit. Because of what sin has done and, 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 and occurred in your life, it has deprived you of that love relationship with him. He has never been able to fill your love tank. Never been able to fill you with the love of God. But I want to remind you that he is love. And he's here today to fill your love tank. Amen. Amen. God's original design. He has a purpose for my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a purpose for my life. Number one, he has a plan for each of us. How many are thankful that he has a plan? That somebody has a plan. Uh, Anybody remember the A-team back? Um, if you're old, you remember the A-team. Sorry about that. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a, a few years older than 29, you remember the A-team. And one of the taglines in that series was, um, what was it, Gregory? Um, it, it was something like this. It's, it, I love it when a plan comes together. That was it, that was it right? And um, that's so true in life. I love it when a plan comes together. You ever said that at home? Well, you probably watched the A-team at some point. But God has a plan for you in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Probably the most quoted scripture in the Bible when it 
speaks about a plan for your life. Listen to these words that the Lord declares for each of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God never intended to harm you. If you've been hurt emotionally, physically, maybe you've lost something. Maybe you lost a home. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost a friend. Maybe you lost a family member. It was never God's intention to hurt you. If anything, it was God's intention to draw you closer to Him. Sometimes that's the only way He gets our attention, unfortunately. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom for us to receive His love. But God has plans to give us a hope and a future. Luke chapter 10 and verse 27 says it this way. When a gentleman asked him one day, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him and says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Everybody say all. All. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's a lot of alls. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, just by reading that, I can tell you right now, that does not look difficult. It really doesn't. But then we introduce this thing called life into it. And life, tragedies, and life, and neighbors, and family members. And all of a sudden, it gets all twisted up. And, you're, and the Lord's saying that you got to love that person that you may not like to even have over for Thanksgiving dinner. The Lord said, yeah, you got to love that one. Amen. Love your neighbor. Yeah. Amen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It starts with you. It starts with you loving yourself first. If you don't love yourself, you, don't, you won't ever be able to love your neighbor. You have to learn to love yourself. Amen? Amen. If I can have Bianca come back up as we close. God's original design is a powerful hope for you and I. How many know that without hope, I heard this one preacher say at one time this way, that we might as well just go to the nearest bridge and just jump off. You know, what's the point of life if we don't have hope? If there is no eternal resurrection, if there is no future for us in God's kingdom, might as well just go to the closest bridge and just jump. Like unfortunately many, many people have. Well, God has created a powerful hope in us through his word number one let me point out three quick things on this powerful hope as a believer you have received his power let me remind you again that when you first confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you emptied yourself of the sin the doubt the jealousy the hurt the disappointment you said Lord forgive me of my sins Make me whole again. And now I invite your presence to come into my life. And his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one that was there at creation, that moved upon the waters, the Spirit of God that hovered on the waters, that formed the earth, now came into you. Into you. Into you. That same Holy Spirit came into you. Amen? And you have received his power. His power. Number two, power... Creates, creates belief. 
power creates belief. And three, belief allows ordinary people like you and I to do powerful things. To do powerful things. Have you ever wondered why when Jesus picked his 12 disciples, he picked fishermen? He picked simple people? People of the land? People of, of the water? He didn't, he didn't go and pick the leading the, the, the people in government, leaders of that time, he just picked simple people that nobody in their right mind would have followed or listened to. Yet those people, the Bible says, those people turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. Why? Was it because of their strength? No. It's because of the power they had living inside of them. Belief allows ordinary people like fishermen to do powerful things. Let me remind you of this scripture found in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Let me just stop there. That word power, you've heard this before. In the Greek, the the New Testament was written in Greek, the original language. That Greek word for power means dunamis. That's the Greek word. That's where we get the word dynamite from. Dynamite, which has explosive power. So again, it says, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is that power for? Is it just to live a happy life? No. God empowered you and I so that we would be witnesses to the ends of the earth, to American Canyon, to Vallejo, to the Bay Area, to California, to other countries. That's where we're going to Mexico. It's the power of God that's going to rest upon you. And you're going to be a witness. Yeah, but Pastor Rick, I don't speak Spanish. It doesn't matter. You can pray. That's a universal language. Amen. Listen to this. When you believe God and love God and obey God, miracles begin to happen. Miracles begin to happen. I'd invite you to stand right now with me as we close. I'm going to read one more scripture here. How many want to see miracles happen around you? Left and right? Miracles are still alive today. I hate to break the news to you. They are alive and well today. Miracles are alive today. John 14, 12. This this is Jesus speaking. These are his words as recorded. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus is telling you and I that when you have faith, when you believe that you and you love and you obey, that miracles will begin to happen. Greater things than He did, you will do. The Bible says, as incredible as that sounds, Do you have the faith today? Do you know that that's your original design that God created for you? That's that's who you are. You are loved by Him. You are perfect in His eyes. You're amazing. You're His masterpiece. You're a Picasso that He loves to look at every day of His life. And He says, there's my child. There's my son. There's my daughter. That's a masterpiece that I created. Even in your imperfection, 
Even those days that you get up and you say, Lord, I'm failing as a parent. I'm failing as as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a dad. You may be there today. I'm failing in my job. The Lord still says, you are his masterpiece. Are you going to believe the lies of the enemy? Or are you going to believe what God has declared as truth? You are his child and he loves you just as you are. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, at this time, I just want to thank you for who you are. I am... I open these altars right now. If anybody wants to just come up and they want to seek you right now, if they need special prayer, I will pray with them. But Lord, I'm asking right now, Father, remind every one of us here today, remind every single person from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, that you created us, that we are your divine design, that we are your masterpiece, that you knitted us together in the womb And that, Lord, that you see us as perfect. Unlike what we see sometimes when we look at a mirror. And we find every little fault. And while it's important to recognize when we fall short, Lord, it's also important to say, God, I give it to you. I turn it over to you. I trust you. Lord, help me to walk in the divine design you created for my life. So, Father, we pray that today. That from this day going forward, we would walk the way you created us to walk. That we would say goodbye to the past, goodbye to the ways of the world in terms of how they look at us, how they view us, maybe how we viewed ourselves. And Lord, I say, I look to you, the author and finisher of my faith, the Bible says. I look to you for direction. I look to you for guidance. I pray that for every single one here today. Thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.